Hey all! Bonjour, Perry. That only <laughs> makes sense if you've seen <laughs> both Funny Face and Halston, so you're going to have to do some, some work, maybe, um, to follow that little reference. Welcome <laughs> to Film Suck, a podcast which gives us a chance to ponder the work of art in the age of crap cinema and also, you know, ponder crap television, I should note. Um, I'm Eileen Jones. I'm Dolores McElroy. And today we are talking about the Netflix series Halston, which is produced by Ryan Murphy of Hollywood Infamy. Um, he has many other credits. We'll get, we'll get to him later. But, you know, that's the most recent horror. Um, and the, the Halston series is about, of course, the famous fashion designer who built a really pioneering empire in New York uh, in the 1970s and 80s before, before losing it all in an equally spectacular manner. So it's really, you know, juicy subject matter, which seems to be Murphy's only strength. He's always finding something really interesting and then ruining it. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so let's just plunge into what our initial reactions are to this. I think it's five part series, which we both binged. Yeah, <laughs> we binged it last night. And <laughs> yeah. we're just like, we're just like freeballing this episode. There's going to be a lot to talk about. But um, yeah, it, like all Ryan Murphy work, it flattened everything. Mm -hmm. um, so the character, Ewan McGregor's fabulous, uh, but mm -hmm. he doesn't have a lot to work with because as with most Ryan Murphy written and produced works, the writing is horrid. And mm -hmm. Ryan Murphy himself is responsible for co-authoring three out of five episodes here. So I think mm -hmm. we know who to blame. And <laughs> um, yeah, in general, there's so much to Halston that we're going to get into, but they make really inexplicable decisions to alter the historical record um, that, that serve to make Halston less interesting than he is. Mm -hmm. And also the writing of the Halston character is super flat and we don't really get to know him as a person. And by the end of it, although you may be dazzled by Ewan McGregor's performance, there's really no reason to care about this bastard, you know? <laughs> yes, that's right. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's pretty. All of Ryan Murphy's productions are slick and, and pretty, but it's mm -hmm. uh, uh, like, like everything. Everything is flattened. All mm -hmm. of the people are flattened. Um, the writing is reduced to the dumbest, most like palatable Mm -hmm. um, predictable melodramatic tropes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it sucks. What did you think, Eileen? <laughs> oh, I, you know, I basically agree. I, I will admit that I, I maybe hated it l absolutely l a little less than I would have otherwise, but my, my expectations were so low. I mean, in, yeah. they were in the sub basement. Yeah. So because Ewan McGregor just makes just such a feast of this part, he just, everything he's given, he takes and runs with it. And he was so much better than I expected <laughs> yeah. that I was like, oh, this isn't quite as horrifying. I just thought, how am I going to get through this thing? It went faster than I thought because I just watched him. I just watched him through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for me, I have I have, you know, a feeling for acting that's quite different, I think, from most people's <laughs> where I have a real or who, who feel that they are experts about acting, I guess. Um, I'm not so into like the method light thing that we've arrived at, you know, mm -hmm. as a, as you know, that's the best acting. I actually like it when you can see an actor clearly relish, <laughs> like practically roll the lines around their mouth. Just when they're loving it, they exude a kind of like, wow, I love doing this. Yes, <laughs> Which you can totally. verify, by the way, if you read interviews with McGregor, he's just like, I hated to let that role go. I just love playing it so much. <laughs> and you can just see it. And, you know, that used to be a real thing. If you watch a lot of old, say, film noir, you'll see um actors just going oh my god this is so uh, rich and outrageous and i you know watch the old maltese falcon and you'll see peter Lorre and sydney green street and, right, right. and mary s <laughs> are all just like wow <laughs> and you know again a lot of people don't like that because it maybe takes you out of the film i for me it's wonderful so he's yeah. very much doing that and that's what what gets you through so i enjoyed it much more than almost any ryan murphy thing i've tried to watch i i'm recently. with you yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But he's uh, Ryan Murphy is such a fucking problem that even with someone like McGregor, who has a lot of charisma, et cetera, um, sort of hauling you through it. There's so many irritants. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I kind of want to recommend we're going to get into the comparing the the I think it's 20, it's very recent. 2017. Is that right? Um, that might be or, two. Uh, might be 2019. I think, it might be 2019. I think yeah. it's 2019. That's right. Um, so very recent. Um, and it's kind of like, it, it's interesting and, and even more infuriating if you watch that <laughs> right. and then watch this or something and go back and forth. But maybe that's even more maddening than you can handle and you just want some kind of eye candy, you know, 
I'll right. blather. <laughs> and then you could just watch the Halston thing. Because, boy, it, you know, if you feel like wasting time and having your eye dazzled and your mind asleep, you know. Yeah. It'll yeah. do that. It'll do that right. for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should say, let's give a proper mm. plug to the doc. It's it's available for Amazon yeah. Prime. And if you're a sub prime, if you have a prime subscription, it's free. Um, and the director is Frederick Chang, and it came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a it's it's just kind of like a beautiful, kind of arty documentary about Halston mm-hmm. that's far more interesting than this Ryan Murphy Netflix series. Yeah, because Murphy, as Dolores has already mentioned, he can't bear anything spiky or contradictory. He just can't handle it. He doesn't mm-hmm. seem to know how to bear it. <laughs> so <laughs> so he will always smooth it out to the detriment of the material. I mean, I'll give you the example of one of his very famous, um, you know, let's quickly just say what he's done in case you don't know, in case you've somehow escaped. <laughs> um, but when he's like really on board as, I think, creator, director, producer, a lot, doing a ton, it's like nip talk. Mm-hmm. American Horror Story, mm-hmm. um, what Pose, uh, yeah. Ratchet, um, and he's also directed. Fil- yeah, oh Hollywood, yeah Hollywood. Yeah. He's also directed films, Running with Scissors, Eat, Pray, Love, Eat, Pray, Love. I mean, this Aww. is what we're talking about here. Oh, it's so nauseous. The Normal Heart and the Prom are the are his um, directing credits. But Glee, that was just a colossal phenomena. I mean, yeah. you had the kids singers at the Obama White House. It was a huge phenomena. I started off watching it just out of curiosity, and I initially kind of liked it, just the first few episodes, mm-hmm. because it was so clear Ryan Murphy was stealing from Election, the great Alexander Payne. Mm-hmm. Dark comedy, satire, brilliant film. Frankly, Alexander Payne has never topped it. You know, mm-hmm. the immortal character of Tracy Flick, if you know that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But at any rate, he was clearly taking character inspiration. There's a tra- Tracy Flick-like character played by, what's her name, Leah Michelle. Uh-huh. Um, there's, a, there's a sad sack high school teacher played by, I'm forgetting his name now, but he's, you know, the lead male role. And so I'm just recognizing all this stuff going, oh my God, he's actually taking something good and trying to spin it toward what it means to be, to find a place for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, the whole experience of being in theater, you know, and, and doing musical theater, essentially, um, in high school. And that's the only way out of this, you know, temporary transport out of this horrifying world that you're in yeah but he can't stand it because you know elections way too way too spiky way too intense a satire he can't so in a couple of episodes he's already softened and mushed everything up and taken any characters who were awful and shown how they're actually really nice exactly (laughs) he just can't bear it so everything's got to go cream puff for him this just happened with Ratchet, which came out last year on Netflix, about mm. Nurse Ratchet from oh, One God. Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah, yeah. Nest, one of the great cinematic villains. And it's played by um, Sarah. Oh, what's her face? Oh, my God. Come on. Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Oh, Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's become, I haven't watched it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. he's uh, Who's become like a Ryan Murphy muse because she, mm-hmm. she was in American Horror Story. And right. she's fabulous. And I love her. Um, Ratchet similarly begins intriguingly because mm-hmm. Nurse Ratchet is a, a a villain and that's mm-hmm. cool who doesn't love a villain shot mm-hmm. you know beautifully it's set in the 1950s and then true to Ryan Murphy form Nurse Ratchet's real problem is that she's a repressed lesbian mm-hmm. and once she hooks up with Cynthia Nixon and you know discovers her true sexuality she becomes a good she, she becomes nice she becomes a good nurse <laughs> yeah where and do you go from there <laughs> nowhere nowhere Holy crap. oh my god it is so punishing to sit through this shit it's like it's identity politics by the numbers oh yeah that's the other aspect of him and so oh. is glee and so is everything he does Hollywood was the worst, oh, which yeah. came out. You watched Jesus. that, right, Eileen? Oh, no, I did. Well, enough to talk about it. But oh, yes. my God. Oh, my Torture. God. It was so awful. Torture. But by the end, it, this is this is Ryan Murphy's world. He introduces all of these characters with, like, you know, non-normative identities. Mm-hmm. But the world that they're in and the definition of success mm-hmm. remains exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everything's still in place. Uh you know, capital, like a really punishing, rapacious capitalism, mm-hmm. um, you know, just like um, domination, you know, mm-hmm. winning um, mm-hmm. all of these things. But everyone uh, but, you know, just like uh, winning is done by people of different colors and, you know, uh, gender identities. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of Hollywood, 
um, Academy Awards <laughs> are right. dished out in the <laughs> mid 1940s. It's like right. a fantasy of like, what if people were just queer and of color and in Hollywood movies back in the day? And mm-hmm. you get like the people who are accorded Academy Awards do so according to like the Oppression Olympics. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a black woman, you get the highest award. Mm-hmm. If you're just a gay white man, you you'll be nominated, but you won't win. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like literally yeah. that's the ending of this show. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so insulting and dumb. And you're just like, but this is such, yeah. this is the Hollywood version of diversity, you know, right. keep everything in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just like open it up to some different categories. Right. Yeah. Now Oscars for all. And yeah. then problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything's good. Yeah. Everything's, everything's good. good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so, it's so harrowing. Although I do yeah. want to like, Actually, I take back the fact that I liked Halston the most. Mm-hmm. I, I actually love Pose the most out of mm-hmm. all the Ryan Murphy world. And I think, I don't know, I should check. Um, I think it's because he's not so involved in writing it. <laughs> oh, I think really? he's like, yeah, I think he's like mm-hmm. more produced. Pose is wonderful. Um, and it's, it, you know, it can be sentimental, but it is about like drag queens and um gay people of color in harlem mm-hmm. in the 80s so like you know aids is a big part of it and mm-hmm. aids is inherently pretty fucking sad mm-hmm. um so it i don't know i don't know how it it like that sounds like the worst thing ever it's not it's wonderful and i think it's because the performers are fabulous mm-hmm. and i don't think he has as big of a hand in writing it so whenever they're writing credits like you're in for a horrible <laughs> <Beware>. embarrassing <laughs> ride yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. And, and well, maybe we should, you know, skip to just just describing for people who don't know Halston. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's talk about the key things that you need to represent that are in the actual bio. And then how how is it handled by by Ryan Murphy? Yeah. Well, I mean, Halston was like the greatest, most well-known American designer of the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And he rose to fame designing Jackie O's pillbox hat. Right. Um, which she wore to where the hell was she? Montana? No, I'm forgetting. Good. Some, we just watched this. So yeah, where the, somewhere. Where the cold. hell was she? Anywhere. Yes. I don't know. Where, <laughs> whatever the pillbox hat hit. So the yeah. early sixties. Mm-hmm. He was a milliner at Bergdorf Goodman, mm-hmm. and he was fabulous at what he did. He even mm-hmm. did the hats for Barbara Streisand's My Name is Barbara television special, which mm-hmm. was like a juggernaut. I think that was 1965. Um, and he was credited like prominently in the credits of that show, which is a big deal for a milliner. You know, how many milliners do you know by name? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can name Lily Dache and that's it. Ooh, good for you. I have no I idea know, who that is. I know. Well, <laughs> earlier, earlier, Dorothy Parker put her in a poem. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, carry on. Carry on. Well, I mean, and then like, (laughs) help me fill in, Eileen. I don't know if I'm getting all of this, but no, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And he he left Bergdorf's in 1968 Mm -hmm. because he had he wanted to create couture. Mm -hmm. And but he had a vision, you know, Bergdorf Goodman is the stuffiest, you know, most highfalutin Mm -hmm. department store. If, you know, uh, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And um, they had their ways. And of course, meeting all the clientele, all the wives of the most of the richest men in the country mm-hmm. and the world uh, was very useful to Halston. But he had a more bohemian vision. And he, so he wanted to open up his own. I, I think the word is atelier. Yes. A- and he did. Um, mm-hmm. And he bought, you know, he he d- basically occupied this beautiful building or sorry, run down, but kind of beautiful building mm-hmm. at I think 68th and Madison. Right. That he makes magical inside, which is such a, a move. You know. Yes. From the outside it looks so somewhat run down and then you go in and you're in, you know, Shangri-La kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And he, you know, he just asked all of his best gay, brilliant friends to, mm. you know, to decorate. And right. so they, it, it looks very ratty from the outside, but you enter and you go, they, they decorated it in a very like exotic late sixties mm. way. Mm. <laughs> so it's like laden with Eastern textures, you know, purples and paisleys mm. and pinks and horned furniture. Yes. <laughs> it was said. super uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. but yet looked so cool that everyone put up with it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and he's very much part of the art scene in the late 60s, which includes Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. And he had this fabulous woman. Um, she's like pretty overweight and um, has this like great voice, kind of like almost Sophie Tucker or something. Yeah, what is her name? I always forget her name. She was Pat, a big part of the factory. Pat. Pat Ast. Yes. 
Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then she was great. She had this frizzy hair and mm-hmm. he would have her, um, you know, be the, the woman who like met the, um, met the clients mm-hmm. and, you know, guided them into the fitting room and all that kind of stuff. And she was an outrageous personality. And so the whole thing was very cool. It was very like, um, as Marissa Berenson, the famous model and actress, you might know her from Cabaret. She plays the Jewish woman that, mm-hmm. um, the blonde guy's in love with. Um, mm-hmm. And by or the way, Stanley she... Kubrick's um, what the hell is the name of it? Barry Lyndon. Oh she's my the, God! Yes, she's the Barry lead Lyndon. woman in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and she's so stunningly beautiful and fabulous. She like, she, yeah, she's the daughter of like you know very very rich um, mm. industrialist. In mm-hmm. I, I mean, she's like pan European, but she grew up in Paris, and um, she is also absent from the Netflix Halston series, which is right. really weird because that would mm-hmm. seem like a visual. Uh, opportunity to represent her. She was so freaking gorgeous Uh and fabulous. But anyway, so, you know, she's part of that scene. And Mm -hmm. in in the Halston documentary, she attests to, you know, the legendary mixing of classes, just like Warhol's factory. There are like Mm -hmm. street people and uh, also the creme de la creme of society. And, Mm -hmm. you know, his his atelier was so fun and it was mad and it was bohemian. And he put, instead of like stuffy fashion shows, he put on happenings. And he had the models like do a talent show, you know, mm-hmm. and Pat ass burst out of a birthday cake. Like mm-hmm. none of this is in the Netflix series. No, BT dubs. <laughs> oh, and let's so, say why. Because again, the flattening. There has to be there has to be two things that are being opposed. <laughs> and you can't mess with them. So it's like art versus commerce and mm-hmm. kind of being part of the elite versus, you know, being part of the, you know, the seedy bunch. And they and they he, Murphy Ryan Murphy seems to want to keep those things clean and separate, which they were. Because who would be interested in Halston if all he cared about was crashing the elite? Right. That's not interesting. But they keep insisting on it throughout the series that that's all he really wants. Oh God. You know. And so do you want to? Well, like uh, so, Eileen, help me hmm. with the seventies. Like uh, what? Well, I, I get a little muddied. <laughs> right. Well, there's the I'm forgetting the year of the the great battle of, of Versailles. The 73, show. 73. 73. So yeah. early 70s. You know, he's he's already done amazing things. He's done the 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 what is it called? The ultra is it ultra suede? Yes. Designs a new fabric, basically, and turns it into a huge runaway best-selling shirt dress mm-hmm. that is one of the signature looks of you know of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's so he's having these successes for sure, but he gets this huge sort of opportunity terror-filled <laughs> moment <laughs> to go over to Paris, which is still the center of fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's several American designers up against several French designers. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, there's an attempt to kneecap the American designers by the French. So mm-hmm. the French, you know, hog all the rehearsal time. They hog, they hog everything. They hog all the resources. And they do enact a big, some of that. It's puzzling because they do some of it in the Ryan Murphy thing. Yeah. But but then the really good stuff to do, which is they had no rehearsal time and they with Liza he brings Liza Minnelli over as a kind of insurance. She's a yeah. huge star at the time. So he need, feels like I just need star power. I'm, you know, not as high up or well established as these other people, even though I've had some huge successes and I need someone. So she comes over with them and he's freaking out. He has a huge temper tantrum when he realizes that the, the, the French are just trying to undermine them in every way, hogging all the resources, hogging the orchestras, hogging everything. Mm-hmm. And he, she's the one who, who pulls it all together. Yeah, in but, real life. In real life. Mm-hmm. But in the show, she just has a cliched pep talk moment of just like, I never thought you were a quitter kind of thing that would be like from the 1940s or something. Exactly. It's ridiculous, like, come on, get your ass out of there. We got a show to put up. <laughs> and, and no, what she actually does is like, no, it's going to look better after all the stiff, formal French stuff mm-hmm. to do this loose, semi-improvised, you know, it can look a little ragged. That's fine. We don't have to have our choreography down. So she kind of on the spot choreographs loosely Bonjour Paris mm-hmm. and does it. And the models are kind of swirling around her in a much more free form way. And it brings the house down. It yeah. looks, she's exactly her instinct is 100 percent right. Mm hmm. They don't do that. They don't do the <laughs> hogging the rehearsal space. So when you watch the number, the Bonjour period, it looks completely choreographed. Right. So I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> you did all the lead up and then botched the finale. And all you can think is, once again, Ryan Murphy doesn't know how to show a complexity. He can't be, he must be, he's, or and his director, I assume, they can't be confident that they can show it being ragged and some, somewhat spontaneous, but still sensational. Exactly. That's all I can assume. Exactly. They, 
Yeah. And and again, so like, anyway. Another visual opportunity is missed there. Like the thing that was remarkable in real life about the Battle of Versailles in, mm. in several ways is like there were the French had all of these white models, you mm. know, swanning mm. around with a they had one token orchestra. black model, right? Wasn't that exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Amongst five designers. Okay. Right. And so the Halston models, there are a dozen African American women. And mm. he's like spotted them on the subway, mm. uh, you know, made them stars in, in his own world. And so they come on looking fabulous in these gowns. And we'll talk about this because this is one thing that Eileen loves about Halston. Like the thing mm. about Halston's designs is that one moves in them, you know, like they, they're mm -hmm. so gorgeous and they, they, flow like air and they make you look so graceful so these you know beautiful women of many shades come out and there's liza you know selling her mm -hmm. she's you know, she's a just won an oscar for cabaret you know a couple months earlier mm -hmm. so she's a big one mm -hmm. of the biggest stars in the world and she brings all her energy to it and it was so i mean it was a total infusion of life so they make nothing of the uh like you know beautiful rainbow of american women that's and you would think mm -hmm. if you're shooting a film or a tv show visually right. that would be interesting <laughs> that would be a thing i know right. you're right they do, totally didn't do that they didn't nope. do it at all I, you're right i forgot about that i was so mad about the way they were doing showing the improvised you know loose number you're yeah right. My God. it was crazy and then liza also opened and closed yeah. that show and she had two different right. outfits and they were both fabulous they arguably showed the less fabulous ensemble which is right. a very classic i mean it's it's great but it's a it's like a halter black sequin number uh with her little fedora you know very cabaret yeah. um yeah. but in real life she closed the show with this like almost full length uh, uh silver dress that was just like a Klieg light i mean she you know she was so mm. sparkly that is not in the film <laughs> you're just like oh, why god oh why god would, i don't understand uh. <laughs> Again, and she, you know, if you don't know, Liza Minnelli is the perfect muse because she was a dancer. Mm -hmm. And so she has the dancer's body that can carry these, you know, apparent totally free form. They aren't, but they look like they are flowing, you know, and she would say you could dance in these clothes and, you know, the clothes dance with you. This is the quote from the, um, the, uh, uh, documentary. The, the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So they just, yeah, it's just missing the boat. 16 different ways it makes just, no sense ah, I, I don't yeah. know like is now a good opportunity to talk about the liza well let's just finish quickly with with the, the rest of the art quickly oh yeah you know, anyway it, it yeah. sets him up to be like the biggest thing ever but he winds up he's got so many ambitions he wants to do so many things the you know some big money guy who heads up norton simon comes in offers him a kind of devil's bargain um, you know, he winds up agreeing to the terms. He gets such a huge infusion of cash and so much security. He moves to a much more fabulous, insanely expensive space. Mm -hmm. Um, everything is going great guns, you know, Studio 54 phenomena. He's one of the leading lights there. He and Liza both. Um, you know, he, everything is going great guns, but he's also starting to, you know, take, you know, use cocaine to the point that you can hardly keep up with the usage. They all are. Um, he's buying orchids at the rate that you can't possibly, the bills are just <laughs> off the track. Everything, everything he's doing is at such a level. He takes limos everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's just this insane level of, of, of high living that no amount of career success can keep up with. So you've got a lot of stuff going on, plus just rapacious money men who always want growth, growth mm -hmm. to the point that it's insane. So he winds up, he apparently does not know. And I'm still never getting a good explanation of how this happens. How the <laughs> hell does Halston not have a lawyer? I'm just like, what? How does he sign away his own name? But he does. And mm -hmm. he apparently doesn't know he did it. Mm -hmm. So apparently he, I guess they show this, they show it in the Ryan Murphy thing, that he really signs it without reading it. Which you're what? like, is that a thing? Do people who are super successful not have lawyers who always read everything? I don't know. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's insane. But at any rate, much later when everything is going south and they're, you know, and he's saying, look, I'm going to, I'm leaving here and I'm going to take my, my name with me. And they're like, no, you're not. We own your name. <laughs> You've signed it over. But, mm -hmm. um, so the huge drama is that at the end, he's done everything to build this name that's associated with this great talent and he loses it. He loses everything in fact, mm -hmm. by the mm -hmm. end. So anyway, that's the arc. And it is obviously hugely dramatic. The huge rise, the huge fall, et cetera. Right. So that's the basic arc. But so in, you know. 
in real life, the the way that it goes down is far more complex. And at least according to the documentary, and yes. by their way, there is um, a book out there that we have not read, but I'm getting immediately mm. called Simply Halston, The Untold Story by Stephen Gaines. Oh. Um, Stephen Gaines has written a lot about Studio 54. I have some, I have his other book, but um, it, it, so we have to consult that because because according to the documentary in real life, mm. um, Halston is brought down by his own personal yes. decision to create clothes for J.C. Penney, right? Which was the first decision of its kind to have someone, a designer known for you know mm-hmm. haute couture, to do um, to do a line for a department store. The absolute first, a total revolution, right? right. And according and, to the documentary, he's yeah. enthusiastic about this. Mm-hmm. It's his idea, and that mm-hmm. the claim is everyone else is telling him not to. Mm-hmm. And indeed, they turn out to be right simply because he's too pioneering. It's too soon. Later, everyone's going to do it. <laughs> right. But and- he does it before people can handle it. And it's regarded as devaluing your name. If it's associated with just anyone can get it, then what's the point? So in the in the Ryan Murphy version, they have Halston saying that. Right. If, right. if, if anyone can wear my clothes, then they're worth nothing. And that's like, well, in the, in the documentary, it's like, no, he wanted to do it. And it does seem like an extension of what he would do next. It There's does. no reason why his clothes couldn't have been mass produced. I mean, sure, the, the, you wouldn't have had the fabulousness of the material, et cetera. But, the, you know, we can talk in a minute about, like, what's so amazing about yes. his clothes and the construction of his clothes. But they should have blent themselves to mass production. <laughs> exactly. And according to the documentary, the first line that he designed for pennies was actually fabulous. And they did a show and it was a tremendous success. And he mm. personally designed every single item, which, mm. I mean, can you imagine the work? I mean, oh my God, I know. And that's he, part of it. He couldn't keep up with, you know, designing everything, but he insisted on having creative control. So, you know, they couldn't, I think that was part of a, the problem that they, they do deal with a bit in the show. Yes. That naturally he doesn't want other people doing knockoffs and calling it Halston. So he's trying to design everything. He's collecting luggage and perfume and, you know, you name it. Everything is a Halston thing. Yeah. And there's no way he could keep up. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, and in real life, it's, again, more interesting because he actually gets fucked by his old employer, Bergdorf Goodman. And they, they right. part- right. yeah, they, they parted in real life, not completely amicably, because mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, Halston wanted to grow and the, mm-hmm. the owner of Bergdorf thought he was fussy and too much of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, fast forward 20 years, Halston, uh, whose clothes are still being sold by Bergdorf Goodman, a very, you know, obviously a very upscale department store, once Halston makes the movie, to design for J.C. Penny, Bergdorf says, "Well, you know what? You're, we think your name is devalued, so we are not going to sell any more Halstons in right, Bergdorf's." That's right. mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. the beginning of the end. Right. Far right. more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like far more. You know, Halston in real life gets fucked over by actual snobbery. Right. Um. And in the Ryan Murphy show, he is the one who is harboring that snobbery. Right. <laughs> and, and it's I, the money men who force him to do this mass production that he doesn't want to do. And it's just like, that's not that's not right. He was the visionary who actually was like, you know what? This is going to be a thing. <laughs> Fashion right. designers are going to design for everybody. It should be the thing. Right. And yeah. And the show doesn't do it. And you're just like, what are you doing? Why you might you're making him such a cliche. It's hard to keep investing in this character. If Ewan McGregor wasn't knocking himself out, there'd be nothing here. You'd just be like, I hate this fucker and I'm done. You know, you really would. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like an opportunity to make him likable? I mean, like he has a, he has a vision to dress everyone in America. He thinks everyone should have beautiful things. Like, but no, let's not take that opportunity. (laughs) Right. Right. That's, I don't know. I'm right. I'm mystified as to oh, like yeah. what the writer's room conversation was. Was, exactly. And again, I, I have to assume they just think the audience can't follow a complexity or M- Murphy himself, perhaps, and other people he works with, they hate complexity. They just hate it. They, they just <laughs> react badly to it. Like, no, no, that can't make sense because that seems to contradict the other thing. And you're like, have you met any humans? You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Bad name. But let's quickly talk about the clothes and what's so incredible about the clothes. If you don't know Halston... You would recognize it immediately. Just look at Liza Minnelli in her in her in her glory years, and she's wear- <laughs> she never wears anything else. She wears Halston yeah. always, all the time. But when she's young and she's a dancer, and you're just going, "Oh my god, she's incredible!" I mean, again, I always am like, I don't know how Pat Ass did it. Just always looked to me like you really have to have. You're going to have to look fairly sensational, <laughs> but I yeah. guess my- maybe I'm wrong. Liz Taylor wore them, and she was definitely not slim. Uh, no, I she could was be in, totally wrong. In her hefty face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the 
Brian Murphy's show, they do try to show you some, but they don't really zero in very nicely mm. of what was so genius about him. He he could he would he would make you know i forget what they call them is a technical term but when you when you're making the dress you usually don't use the really expensive material to just work on the dress you, mm-hmm. you use this other shit he wouldn't <laughs> do that because the material you know you use something inexpensive because you're going to be M- muslin with it. usually yeah you muslin that's it mm-hmm. and so but he always worked on the material itself because he was shaping it to the body mm-hmm. so he'd be putting it on people and cutting and pinning and and all the stuff, but it's so amazing. Okay, you're like fine, but you don't really get the impact. In the documentary, they show you what his patterns look like. It's insane. If you if you've <laughs> ever done even basic sewing, the first thing that shocks you. I did basic sewing, very yes. basic, believe me. <laughs> um, <laughs> is clothes are way more complicated than you 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 think. When you look at a pattern, there's like even for a pretty simple shirt, say you've got ten pieces. Mm-hmm. And they're all, they've all got to be labeled for you as to how they fit together because it isn't automatically like you would, it's much more complicated than you think to get a shirt. Mm-hmm. The sleeve's separate, the cuff's separate, every piece is the front, you know, two parts, the, the everything is separate and all has to be sewn together in a certain order, blah, blah, blah. It, there's way more to it, sure. And if you're really going to be good, my grandmother was very, she would make a suit with lining and everything. She could do that kind of work. And ah. my sister too. So they really got into it. I never did. I, was, I wasn't good enough. But when you see that, you're like, wow, there's so, many, there's so much more to this. Well, you look at a Halston pattern and they show you in the documentary, it's one piece of cloth. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't always, but for a lot of his signature looks, they're one piece of cloth that he's figured out how it will sculpt around you and there will be one seam. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I can't even convey. That's like what a little kid would think. Is I can cut a hole in the material for the head <laughs> and then I'll wad it up around you and somehow that becomes a dress. And yes. then, of course, you learn that can't work. He does it. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it looks wonderful. And that's insane genius level. That just is impossible. I still don't know how he does it. But, you know, I, they show the, the, the incredibly complex piece of fabric. Mm-hmm. But because yeah. it's one piece of fabric, surely they could have mass produced that one piece of fabric that needs one seam. You can imagine a worker. I just have to sew one seam. Oh, amazing. And it, it looks like the guy in the documentary says it looks like a Cuisinart blade, this pat, this mm. pattern. And it, mm-hmm. it does. It's so ingenious about the way that it's going to, you know, come together and what's going to tie with what. And yes, you would think it could be mass produced. But a note about his workshop, again, an opportunity missed in the mm-hmm. Netflix series. I love this detail. In the documentary, they talk about how important it was for him, for his workers, his mm-hmm. his um, tailors and seamstresses to have a beautiful workspace. So so he um in his uh you know Madison Avenue um shop which was also his atelier the the women uh, it was mostly women it's like mostly a little a lot of old italian women and italian men who like traditionally do even in france they are the people who actually sew the the fancy dresses mm-hmm. and he um paneled the whole their whole workspace in mirrors and it had a ton of windows and so it was it had so much light that the the tailor says the women wept when they walked into this workspace it was the most beautiful place they'd ever worked and it was it was just the most beautiful place that you could imagine being and to him that Mm -hmm. was very important he thought that the workers should be inspired again not does not square with this uh image that netflix has presented and again oh what a God. lovely dramatic opportunity and a visual one <laughs> you know and they're showing again that he identifies with the worker even though part of him of course you know the, again he's straddling this uncomfortable line yes. and that would be so interesting but instead you you wind up you know really the there's a long period of time when it's halston the utter bastard screaming at everybody and treating everyone horribly and they're all leaving and then he starts sobbing why is everyone leaving and you're like ah yeah because you scream at everyone and say the worst things in the world you're horrible which apparently does happen as he gets horribly addicted to cocaine and he's falling apart under the pressure he does start blowing his stack really regularly yeah but it's it's this is this is later when he's it's really getting bad it's not how he starts out, or at least it doesn't seem like it was. No, exactly. And again, it's Ryan Murray's allergy <laughs> to a complex character. <laughs> right. Like, okay. Right, yeah. I, I, totally mystifying. Totally mystifying. So, yeah. 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 But the, yeah, the yeah the the clothes are genius, and also there's a significant figure who I did kind of like in the mm-hmm. in the Netflix series, Elsa right. Peretti. Yes, she's actually kind of yes, kind of riveting. 
Yeah, she's in it again in real life, much more interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's, she, in the, in the miniseries, she's played by Rebecca, I think you say her last name, Diane, uh, D A Y A N. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know her. Um, mm, and Elsa Peretti, yeah, in, in real life, Peretti was a, you know, the daughter of Italian aristocracy, but had a great personal flair. She hung out with Halston. She loved him. She was actually in love with him. Um, but, you know, obviously she knew he was gay. And she turned out to be one of the legendary jewelry designers of her day. She eventually mm-hmm. went to work at Tiffany. But if you ever see not only Liza, but like um, Catherine Deneuve wears these, oh, like all my girls, um, <laughs> have their Elsa Peretti cuffs. Um, mm-hmm. she's oh famous. yes they, and you see them on a few people but they don't draw attention to them you just see them some of the models are wafting by and they've got the cops yeah it's crazy mm-hmm. but she's this genius designer with a really distinctive hall- mm-hmm. hallmark style very chunky but also like smooth soft um mm-hmm. like you know lines and she actually she was famous for these little necklaces which which looked like little pouches but they were slightly um like asymmetrical like mm-hmm. a little bean almost, a little magical pouch. And her necklaces were the inspiration for Halston's very like legendary perfume bottle, mm-hmm. which was also asymmetrical and curved and was held to manufacture apparently, but he didn't care. And he was right, because this thing was like a work of art. But anyway, mm-hmm. Peretti, in real life, of course, and I again recommend the documentary. She is so much crazier and more fabulous yeah, oh than, than the portrayal. <laughs> she exudes crazy, but in yeah. that interesting way of like, I bet that person's an artist because there's got to be a reason why she's so wild. Totally, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she's uh, in real life. She always has her uh, beautiful cocktail that she's drinking from a glass that she designed. She's still chain smoking. She's got her trademark ginormous uh, eyeglasses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's just like too fabulous for words. And again, they flatten her. The, yeah. the character is like pretty good, but she she reads as just like a beautiful, fiery woman. Yeah. When in real life, Elsa Peretti is like a very distinctive nut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, well, I don't know why it seems again like such a ripe opportunity to have a really interesting, mm-hmm. you know, performance and character, but it uh, it just wasn't written that way, you know? Right, right. So right. it's <laughs> sad. It's really Happens sad. again and again in the yeah. show. And, you know, again, ignorance is bliss. Maybe if you know nothing, maybe, but I still think you'll feel the thinness. I think yeah. you'll feel the thinness because, you know, Ryan Murphy is terrible at motivating motivating character it's absolutely awful he'll always do kind of psych 101 really thin and he and he just oh this is the worst i've ever seen he's trying to explain what's up with halston which everyone kind of wondered about you'll get that in the documentary too no one even some of his close friends didn't know anything about Mm-hmm. Who he'd been before he became Halston. You know, his real name is, what is it? Roy Halston. Uh-huh. Throwick, right? Is that how yep. you say it? Throwick? That's it. You know, and his mother would always correct people. It's a family name. It's called Halston. But of course, he, he hears the horrible flat A and it's like, no, we're not having that. And so he gets rid of everything else. He goes to Halston. And, you know, you know, the, with creating the name, he creates a persona. They do some of that in the show, but very, very crudely when he's putting on like Mantan and sunglasses <laughs> and you're like oh well that was fast that was five minutes mm-hmm. um but he, you know he designs essentially a whole persona and way of being and doesn't want to drag the baggage of his past with him because you know for the obvious reason it's hugely painful and in the, you know the documentary they show the very depression era photos of him and i think it's his brother and you know he had siblings you'd never know it from the show and you know the only way they, that Ryan Murphy can think of to represent the trauma of his childhood is to show this weirdly nostalgically shot. It's all golden and sunny and flowery, um, rural Indiana, and he has a lovely mother, but she's getting the hell beat out of her periodically by his violent, volatile father. Mm-hmm. And all all Ryan Murphy can think of to show you childhood trauma is to get the like the prettiest little boy you've ever seen, <laughs> put him front and center, like where, close to the camera, have his lip quiver. And behind the scenes, you see the husband, the father, chasing chasing his mother, you know, hell-bent on beating the hell out of her, in the background of sunny, nostalgic-looking Indiana. Well, if, if, if you've ever experienced childhood trauma, that ain't any representation of what trauma is <laughs> like. You're not going to think of it that way. Mm-mm. But yeah. Halston doesn't know what to do. It's like, did he ever have a traumatic moment in his childhood? I don't know. If so, oh, he's avoiding Murphy, it. Murphy, you ch- mean. I mean, Murphy. Yes, yeah. did Murphy. Because he, he, he doesn't seem, he did. 
Yeah, he got the shit beat out of his dad, like for I don't know, for being gay, you know. But okay, still... so Murphy should be able to represent this. But I know he's in more denial than Halston apparently, because he just Not doesn't want to represent what an actual <laughs> traumatic experience the memory of it would be, and why yeah. Halston cannot bear it. So they keep doing this in the in the show. Anything that puts him back into that mode, he just kind of freezes and freaks out, and he can't handle it. Right. But right. it's so badly represented, and it's so simple minded, and it's so like dumb. That it has no impact whatsoever. None. It does nothing for you to flesh out his character in that way. You just have to be like, okay, I'll just I'll just assume there was more to it than that moving on. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then like at, you know, as a small fleshing out, <laughs> I'd say in quotation marks, of this trauma, you get the Ryan the trademark Ryan Murphy exposition and explaining to you like mm -hmm. the social problems of the day and you know Halston's always the character is always saying things like you know we're just a, all a bunch of queers freaks and, and freaks little and girls, girls who haven't grow up. grown up <laughs> Do you read that down too I love it yes it was the fucking worst I was like Ryan Murphy no <laughs> I know no it's oh there's so much of the lame kind of exposition because you know oh. he doesn't know how to convey it to you so he, someone will say it I mean there's literally things like lines like you know uh Halston falls in love disastrously um, yep. With a guy calling himself Victor Hugo or Victor Hugo, referring to his <laughs> member. Hugo, yeah. <laughs> but Hugo. Um, and, you know, at a certain point, Victor Hugo comes into his, you know, whatever home and says, there is a new club opening. It is called Studio 54 <laughs> and everyone who is anyone will be there. You should come. And it's just mm. so lame mm. that you're like, you know, I don't think it happened. <laughs> I know. Come on. <laughs> There's a shit ton of that in the in the show. It's constantly just people coming in and announcing things because, you know, Murphy doesn't feel like going to all the work of exactly. figuring out how that actually would have arisen in the person's life. So really bad, really bad. Exactly. And there's for, you know, for a show that's ostensibly about art versus commerce, mm. there is like, uh, obviously we harp on this a lot, but there is like no illustration of what it almost none of what it means to be an artist. Mm -hmm. um, the the one point in the in the show that I did like was he when he creates when Halston works with a perfumer. I don't know yeah. if that's the correct term. Yes. And it's Vera. How do you say your name? Formiga? Formiga? Oh, my God. Is that her? She's very good. Yes. <gasps> yes. She's quite I was good. like, I'm in love with this person. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No, she's she's a very good actor. Very compelling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she was just beyond fabulous mm. and like so quiet. And it's like she was actually acting with Ewan McGregor. <laughs> right. <laughs> Despite the script. But they, you know, they're building this perfume based in part on um, memories. She wants mm. him to bring in three items that are significant to him. And they work to build the Halston scent, which became mm. a huge success in, in real life. But it mm. that is a one representation of some kind of artistic process mm. um, in the whole thing. And it, yeah. you know, it, so it, I mean, more. No, otherwise that. it's just while people are yelling plot points to each other, you know, yeah. you'll see Halston drawing and looking irritated. And then you just have to assume, okay, that's what an artist does. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. They're just jotting, you know, casually sketching the next fabulous design while people argue. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so there you go. But we haven't talked about it. And you have to, of course, take the lead on this. The Liza Minnelli factor. We really haven't delved into that. What we do. <laughs> well, Liza. OK, so in real life, Halston and Liza were good friends. If you were born in a spider hole or you're like Gen Z, Liza Minnelli is a very famous mostly musical theater performer who is also in films. She's mm -hmm. an EGOT winner. Um, mm -hmm. and she's right. the she's the daughter of Judy Garland and the famous Hollywood director Vincent Minnelli. Right. And she was a young woman when she met Halston in the late 60s. It does not happen. It didn't happen in real life like it happens in the show, but who cares? Um, and it, she became his muse. And they were they were really close friends until he died of AIDS in 1990. And um, so Liza, it being like a singer and a dancer, wore a ton of his clothes on stage. And her signature look is a Halston look. It's uh, like really flow, not just flowy. Um, uh, you know, kind of that, that tight halter top on a like a, ju a sequin jumpsuit that they do show her in the, that's that seems very they do. Her. 
That's extremely her. Yeah, yeah, she wore that to her birthday in 1978. And on that mm-hmm. night, another mis- visual opportunity. I actually have this. I have this photo above my bed. It's Liza in her purple Halston, right. Elizabeth Taylor in a blue sparkly Halston caftan. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. He did the caftan. We haven't even mentioned. Oh, he did. I know. He's the guy who did the caftan. Yeah. He made the caftan the thing in the late yeah. 60s. And Martha Graham in a sparkly red Halston. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that happened in real life. And like, yeah. oh, why would you depict that in the film? It would be too fabulous looking. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so but Liza, uh, I mean, in this in the Ryan Murphy show, she's played mm-hmm. by an actress called Krista Rodriguez. Um, it's it, I was actually comforted eventually. At first, I totally rebelled because yeah, you she's, texted me like, <laughs> no, <laughs> there was too much singing and dancing by this woman in the beginning. Mm. And I was like, you just, it's not fair to ask anyone to sing and dance exactly. like Liza Minnelli, you know? Exactly. I was but, going to write that to you. And then I thought, no, let her work through. Let her <laughs> work, work through, through the process. <laughs> by the end of the show, I was actually comforted. I was like, I get yeah. the sense that whoever made this actually knows very little about Liza Minnelli. And mm-hmm. in a way that's sort of a shield for her. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> they they mm-hmm. just make her this really nice girl. Who's, mm-hmm. You know, just like totally there for Halston in a fag haggy mm-hmm. way, right? Um, <laughs> whatever. Um, she's like totally uh-huh. one dimensional, just like real sweet. You know, like mm-hmm. you said, like always giving a 1940s pep talk, which is part yeah. of Liza's personality. But yeah, she definitely has that aspect of her. She does. Like she's yeah. a woman. She's a baby boomer who says swell. You know, like there is something <laughs> odd about her. Wonderful. Um, she. So I think the biggest issue for me with this casting was. Liza in real life is very sexy. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's funny, but you know, quirky, but like she's got, she's a, she's a dancer, you know, one of the best. And so she's got it. This is how she's different from her mother in a way, you know, Judy, obviously one of the world's greatest singing talents and mm-hmm. could dance. Um, Liza has a more strident voice, but that her kind of strength is like, she's an amazing, fabulous dancer. And also, you know, mm-hmm. one of Bob Fosse's muses and obviously mm-hmm. Fosse choreographed cabaret and um liza with a z liza's television special that came out shortly after cabaret when she wore Mm -hmm. halston and blah blah blah. um so in real life you get why halston like you said would like why liza would be his muse because she is Mm -hmm. she's a sexy dancer lady this Mm -hmm. poor woman (laughs) has like zero sex appeal like does like totally estranged from her body she's a totally (laughs) fine singer but i'm just like oh my god like i don't understand um Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. And you know You have to say whatever because when you think of the job of trying to play Liza Minnelli, it's so fucking impossible. It's that, impossible. Like who could who you get? It's just too hard. Yeah. And they make her very like uber sympathetic in a way where I'm like, are you trying to court Liza Minnelli to be in some Ryan Murphy vehicle? Because like they don't show her to, she just like faints on the like beautifully on the floor. Oh, of yes, Studio 54. I love that. That was so glad. They show the downfall of Studio 54 in Halston and the whole world. When Liza Minnelli finally passes out and has to be taken to the hospital because she's overdosed. Right. Um, and she wafts in a swan-like manner yeah. down to the floor. <laughs> While meanwhile, this is even better, up in the in the in the vent- ventilation shafts, there is someone, <laughs> some desperate young woman who's been trying to get into Studio 54, and of course it's a rope line and you're not allowed in if you're not cool enough. Mm-hmm. And she dies up there. And these yep. are being cross-cut together. And it's so evil that I just sat there going, this is so Ryan Murphy. His it indifference really to, I mean, he really doesn't care about the girl. He just likes the contrast. Of, exactly. Look how the beautiful people almost die compared mm-hmm. to look how, look how, you know, and he's aggressively showing the young woman to be, you know, have a rabbit skin coat and be beyond uncool and totally sacrificable. I was just like, yeah. This is an evil moment in television. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. Really bad. And you care nothing about her. You're supposed to oh, laugh no. at her. You are. You're supposed to. And then mm-hmm. you find out she's dead and everyone's like, ew, ew. And then that's exactly. over. Oh, exactly. horrible. Horrible. And, by the way, in real life, something like that did happen, but it, yeah. it was a man. It was a man dressed in uh, a tux and he did die in the vents trying to get in. Um, yeah. But this is the whole thing is like, yeah, studio is very prettied oh. up that. And again, you would think this is this would be interesting because the real basement of Studio 54, which they show for a second, mm-hmm. is like people straight up fucking, mm-hmm. you know, doing cocaine off of like Liza literally doing cocaine off of Barishnikov's ass, you mm-hmm. know, like it is filthy and mm-hmm. down and they don't show any of that. Right. 
Um, they kind of show a gay orgy with um, Victor Hugo, but again, they kind of make decadence for the gays, and it's like, oh no, no, everyone was <laughs> everyone was in <laughs> on it. Down. Yeah. And, oh yeah, they make Victor Hugo the scapegoat for all the down and dirty. Yeah, they really yeah. Do. <laughs> and it's like, oh please, he was just one of you know the whole scene. Mm-hmm. And th- again, it seems like a missed opportunity. Again, they they just want to make Liza a, a one dimensional yeah. fag hag. In real life, this is the kind of shit that went down. Mm-hmm. In like 1978, Andy War. Hall records in his diary okay Liza this is gonna like take a while to explain the complexity of these layers of affairs Mm -hmm. but at the moment (laughs) Liza was married to the producer Jack Haley Jr. who happens to be the Tin Man's son Uh and she was having an affair with Martin Scorsese who she was Uh making New York New York with and she was also having an affair with Barishnikov. (laughs) <laughs> and so she's walking down the street in Manhattan with Barishnikov and or no with Jack Haley Jr., her husband. Mm-hmm. And Martin Scorsese accosts her and <gasps> starts chewing her out for fucking Barishnikov. Oh like, no! With her husband. <laughs> like, what? I don't know how she responded. Warhol does not record that. But it's like, uh, it's so much juicier that nothing of that ends up in this series. It's oh, like, no. oh, this is like right in the Halston moment that they don't even put Barishnikov in the show. And like he was he was the one dancing with her at Studio 54, like most of the time, you know? Right, right. Oh and my her, god. The whole thing is so like pretty. Like my favorite my favorite scene besides the swan dive was when she's like calmly packing for Betty Ford. Oh, right. <laughs> She's totally Even at that together. point, they're making her yes, totally this figure of ange- both. She's both angelic and sane. She's the sane one All throughout. Yes. yes. It's like in real life, Liza had to be talked down by Halston, by the way, because she thought that Sputnik was landing on her head. (laughs) She was so fucked up. She was like, I know it's going to land on my head. I fucking know it's going to land on my head. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Halston, of all crackheads, had to be like, uh, Liza, hold on, honey, I'll be right over. You know, so it should have been exactly the reverse. But again, that would have been complex. They couldn't have. Halston be the same one in that right. scene because people would have been so confused. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's great. It's great. Wow. So I don't even know what to say about this show. Like, are you invested mm. in drama? Because you missed it. Are you invested yeah. in beautiful things, which is usually like a Ryan Murphy thing, you know, like uh-huh. visual sumptuousness? Because you missed like seven opportunities for <laughs> sumptuousness. Like, I don't <laughs> fucking know. Like, why would why did you want to tell this story? Is the yeah. real question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it just because it's gay? And you're just like, oh, we need another gay story that I can massacre? Like, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because even when he semi fucks something up, you usually can figure out what he, like Feud. I should have mentioned that one. Feud I liked better than most things. Feud was good. I always forget. That's his. I quite enjoyed that. Me too. Part, you really pulled through it again because Susan Sarandon does a great Betty Davis. She just was a very, very astute, not over, you know, it's difficult. And I all actually thought when I was watching the, the Liza Minnelli performance that, that Reimer, somebody was trying to coach her to do a Susan Sarandon and she just couldn't do it. Yeah. Susan Sarandon also doesn't go full Betty Davis on your ass because that's going to be too much. <laughs> yeah. Because Betty Davis was too much, but it will seem insane if someone mm-hmm. else tries to do it. So she only does a few like signature things in a really smart way and connects it to character, you know, aspects. So she does this great performance. Jessica Lang just stinks up the whole area (laughs) as Joan Crawford. She's completely clueless. And you just have to be like, okay, it's fine. She just doesn't get it. Can't do it. And it's bad casting. Yeah. You just let it go. And it's a great, you know, and it it really works. It really works as a fascinating, you know, slice of delicious (laughs) Hollywood history that you, you can't wait to see the next episode. So that is the one Ryan Murphy where it seemed us at least even with big flaws sort of come together, Mm -hmm. but you're right. This you're constantly going, what are we doing here? You don't even seem if you're into Halston, you don't seem interested in who Halston was in any serious way. So yeah. What, what are you, is he just now trolling the waters for what seems like a Ryan Murphy esque? I think so. Thing, yeah, yeah. totally. And he, yeah. you know, he did. I did not see the Versace miniseries. Someone asked. No, us I this didn't recently. either. And someone mentioned, yeah, a listener I think mentioned, or someone yeah. mentioned that we should see that one. Yeah. yeah, we we should just so we can compare. It seems kind of interesting to do. Like, wow, two gay designers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah. we're just gonna. But I mean, they're very different, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what what's interesting, well. A recent New Yorker article came out about, you know, is Ryan Murphy just like over identifying with Halston? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I obviously Ryan Murphy signed this huge production deal with Netflix. Right. 
two years oh, ago, yes. you know? So is it just about what it means to build an empire? Um, I don't know. Right, I would right, right. Oh, no. And well, Vulture goes on to say it seems like it seems like Ryan Murphy is suffering from what he's suggesting. Also, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, this kind of, you know, you've made some sort of devil's bargain where you have to mass produce and you have to keep coming through and possibly over and over again. And you're making yourself more and more superficial the longer you work. But isn't the person, I forget the name of the person, um, who's basically saying, isn't this much more the the, 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 the Ryan Murphy story than it is the whole story? Yeah. Like that. It was yeah. very clever, actually. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, in the end, there's a, there's a real attempt to be moving by showing, you know, what Halston does at the end of his life. He goes, he goes just on a 18, some incredibly long time, 18 month tour up yes. and down the California coast right. for, for when he knows he's, he's going to die. Yeah. You know, and it is, you know, again, you and McGregor just bringing it. <laughs> and so it's super, again, it's superficially moving, but, mm-hmm. you, but you know, you find out from the documentary, he went with someone at least part of the time, which was, what was it, his niece? Yes, who yes, became, was who's actually niece. became like a big deal in fashion and I think produced that documentary about him. But yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so he's traveling for, for at least some of the time with someone who just loved having this time to, to bond with him when he's, he's just lost his, you know, his whole empire is gone. Yeah. And he just, and he just, so he just walks away from it. And mm-hmm. and then and there but there's this family member there. This is complicating factor. And of course, in the movie, it's just all, you know, it's all you and McGregor gazing off onto the horizon and saying, what a pretty blue of the ocean. You know, we're talking about the ocean or, yes, you know, yes. enjoying the breeze in the car window. But, you know, the complicating factor, they it's just you can just say, like, no, we're stripping all that out. Like the family thing is just like that's a big that's a part of the documentary. Like, did he go back and they see a family reunion? Mm hmm. You know, when he has to try which he to hosted. adjust, which he hosted, yes. yeah. <laughs> you know, and and presumably his mother was part of his life, but the, in in the Ryan Murphy show, they just suddenly have her die, and then it tries to milk a lot of grief over the death, and you've just been like, but you is- feel like you have more questions than anything. Like, wait, did exactly. he ever see his mother? <laughs> right. Did did he just walk away and never saw her again, or what? You don't know. She, she's, she's never been mentioned other than those flashbacks, those really sappy flashbacks. So it's, you know, it, there's a lot of questions as you go through. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of I, questions. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't begin to, I can't really unfold the logic. I really can't. Mm. And I, I don't know if you're trying to make someone likable again, like why they made him such an unrepentant snob when, oh, he, yeah. when he really was much more, if not likable, um, you, like one might be more sympathetic to his like values, you know, mm-hmm. um, in real life. I, yeah. I, I am mystified. <laughs> yeah, no, they just make him. That's really adds this kind of irredeemable quality to him. He yeah. becomes just this, you know, in order to save myself from my despicable Indiana roots, I cut off all of common humanity and I only go for the elite. That's going to be hard to redeem that. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and oh my God, side note. Did you see that Christine Vachon produced this? Co-produced no, this? I did not. Know. Maybe wow. that's why it wasn't the worst. I don't know. <laughs> huh. Christine Vachon is like, for people who don't know, like a yeah, fabulous oh, yeah. independent film producer, yeah. like probably most famous for her work with Todd Haynes, although now she mm-hmm. produces like everything, especially for queer films, like good mm-hmm. queer films, like mm-hmm. Todd Haynes films. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I guess she's just like doing all, I don't know. Well, um, you know, it does seem like it's that problem of once you make it, you're just trying to make, you're, you're putting your name on everything. You're doing Halston. You're putting your name on luggage. Uh, you're putting your name on this and that and the everything and yeah dilution of the brand dilution of the brand yeah yeah definitely, definitely. yeah 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 so <laughs> i don't know so, what... <laughs> yeah i don't know what to say about that beyond that you know we might have we might have done halston have we done halston the series uh, you know ryan murphy ryan murphy certainly didn't but i think that we have so. i think that we have i <laughs> yeah. think we've covered it but yeah. so so we're really it sounds like really recommending the documentary more yeah, than exactly. we're recommending the series but we've tried to outline it so you can make the choice yourself either <laughs> or both you know you decide. we're empowering you we're about Exactly. With the yes, strength between. of our opinions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. That's you know, the good works that we do. Yeah. In our, in our podcasting. <laughs> All right. So that's it for our for our Halston episode. Um, it's going to be available Tuesday, May 18th. Thank you to our dear listeners. And of course, triple thanks to our subscribers who keep us in cocaine. <laughs> Not really. That was totally a Halston thing. <laughs>
<laughs> um, if you're not a subscriber, but you like what you hear, please consider signing up with pa Patreon for all the Filmstock content instead of just the half publicly available. You can follow News of the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please join us next time when we're going to be talking about, and, you know, we keep taking on these projects. What the, We're just masochists. I don't what know. are we doing? We're going to talk about the premiere of the Disney, um, is it a show? No, I'm forgetting. Is it a show or a film? It's Shit. a film. Film. God, it's God a live action us. film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. It is. That's what I've got written, and I suddenly second guess. It's the <laughs> live action film Cruella. Which, of course, is going to be the backstory of, of, of the famous Cruella de Vil from the, the Disney animated classic 101 Dalmatians, going to be played by Emma Stone. I kind of like Emma Stone, but this just seems like, how are you going to pull this off? We'll see. But the, guess what the plot is? She's, it's going to be about how young grifter Cruella gets to become the queen of the fashion scene in 1970s punk rock London. I'm not even kidding. That's the plot. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yes. It's so, it's, I couldn't believe my eyes. It actually, the subject matter is so daring for Disney. It gets a PG-13 rating. Girl! Okay, <laughs> and it's I'm probably, <laughs> I know, one has to see it, but, you know, it's probably going to be so terrible. Yeah, it probably. might come out the other side and become perversely good again. Yeah, <laughs> that can happen. So okay. we are going to, you know, either way, we're going to watch it and we'll all get through this together. Until then, thanks again for listening. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, right, darling. Okay. <laughs> Bye, darling. Yes. <laughs> Cuts fall. We are done. Oh, my God.